that was Sarah Beth Hartle, Melissa Cheo Hartle, and Alan Klein singing Taste and See, accompanied by Vance Music Director, Mrs. Debbie Briding. We turn to Matthew today, the 14th chapter. Jesus' great miracle. Now when Jesus heard this, he withdrew from there in a boat to a deserted place by himself. But when the crowds heard it, they followed him on foot from the towns. And when he went ashore, he saw a great crowd and he had compassion for them and cured their sick. When it was evening, the disciples came to him and said, This is a deserted place, and the hour is now late. Send the crowds away so that they may go into the villages and buy some food for themselves. Jesus said to them, They need not go away. You give them something to eat. They replied, We have nothing here but five loaves and two fish. And he said, bring them here to me. Then he ordered the crowds to sit down on the grass, and taking five loaves and two fish, he looked up to heaven and blessed and broke the loaves and gave them to the disciples, and the disciples gave them to the crowds. And all ate and were filled. And they took up what was left over the broken pieces, twelve baskets full. And those who ate were about 5,000 men, besides women and children. And we continue with the Jacob story. As you know, Jacob has cheated his big brother out of his birthright and his blessing. And Esau is mad. And so Jacob runs flees from that place and goes to his mother's brother's place. And he works for him for 21 years, seven for one wife, gets tricked, works for the wife he really wants. That's got to be a good story, right? And then works some more, and he tricks his uncle, and his uncle is mad, and so he leaves that place and is now fleeing back to his homeland, but he knows that his brother, the last time he saw him, was angry with him, and now he has 400 men with him waiting to meet Jacob as they come into the promised land. And so this is what happened. That same night, Jacob got up and took his two wives and his two maids and his 11 children and crossed the ford of the Jabbok. He took them and sent them across the stream. And likewise, everything that he had, Jacob was left alone. And a man wrestled with him until daybreak. When the man saw that he did not prevail against Jacob, he struck him on the hip socket. Jacob's hip was put out of joint as he wrestled with him. And then he said, let me go, for the day is breaking. But Jacob said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. 
So he said to him, what is your name? And he said, Jacob. Then the man said, you shall no longer be called Jacob, but Israel, for you have striven with God and with humans and have prevailed. And Jacob asked him, please tell me your name. But he said, why is it that you ask my name? And there he blessed him. So Jacob called the place Peniel, saying, For I have seen God face to face, and yet my life is preserved. The sun rose up upon him as he passed Penuel, limping because of his hip. Friends, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. begin this morning wanting to talk particularly to the men. Because men, I would like to know from you, when was the last time you were alone in your house? I saw some people go like this. Particularly when you had children at home, when was the last time you were alone in your house? Particularly when you had 11 children at home and two wives, when was the last time you were alone in your house? You got to have a really good garage or a really fabulous man cave. To find alone time in your house when you have 11 children and two wives. I was hoping that maybe uh, Drew Seabright would be here today. You know, there's a guy, I can't imagine he ever is ever alone in his home. He's a great guy. He lives with his mother-in-law and his sister-in-law. And over the last two months, his daughter and son-in-law and their three small children moved in too. I bet you the guy didn't have a minute of alone time for two and a half months. But that's where we are today. Jacob has sent everything he owns and everyone in his family across the river and he split them up. So that if Esau is coming with his 400 men who are an army, not a welcoming party, if they're split up, then somebody will probably survive because they'll attack one and not the other. And Jacob is left alone. Well, Jacob is one of those guys, 11 children, two wives, and two maids. He's not spending very much alone time. In fact, the last time the Bible tells us that he was alone was the last time he had a grand encounter with God. He was leaving the land of his father and going to live with his uncle. And remember what happens? He falls asleep. And that's where we get the story of what we call Jacob's Ladder. He encounters God and sees angels rising from the heavens and coming down to the earth and back and forth. 
in God's assurance that God will always be present with Jacob. Gives him the courage to move into a new phase of life. Now we have Jacob alone, having sent his family and his possessions away. And the the English version of the text doesn't really get this for us, but the the text itself lends itself to, to say that there's sort of an immediacy. The minute that he is alone, this battle starts. And it's an important thing to note that Jacob's name in Hebrew is, is, would, would translate to us as, as kind of being JVK. Well, wrestle in Hebrew would kind of transliterate to us as being JKV. It's just a play on his name that we get from the beginning. When he is wrestling with whomever he's wrestling with. Now, the text says he's wrestling with a man. He says, ultimately, that he wrestles with God. If you look at classic artwork, he's wrestling with an angel. Modern readings of this, now that we have psychology, says no, he's wrestling with himself. Whatever's happening, there's a struggle going on. That makes sense, doesn't it? Jacob is the one who is to carry the promises of God, the promises of land and progeny and success for his whole family and for the whole nation forward. He's the one. It's all on him. He has to succeed. He has to know that God stands with him as he goes forward into this journey. And so he and the man, they wrestle. The first part to notice is that Jacob is injured in the wrestling. The man rips his hip out of joint. And Jacob always walks with a limp after that. He is forever transformed by this encounter that he has. It changes him always. If we had more time today, I'd talk about When I was a kid and my brother and I used to watch professional wrestling on TV and we'd always want to do those pile driver things and the, you know, throw the guy up on the, come down on him like this and all of that stuff. It's the impression that I have of what's happening when they wrestle. The man pulls his hip out of joint. But the exchange between them when they talk is what's fascinating. Because it's all about what's in a name. 
The man says to Jacob, what's your name? And Jacob says, I'm not telling. What's your name? See, in the ancient Middle East, to know someone's name, to be able to call them by name, was to have power over them. And to give them a name was even more so. So a father gave a name to a child. A slave owner gave a name to a to a slave. That meant he had authority over those people. And so there's this battle going on where these two want to know, what's your name? No, what's your name? Who has authority over whom? How will we proceed? And a man asks Jacob, what's your name? And Jacob says, finally, Jacob. And he says, no, it ain't. Can you imagine? Can you imagine being Jacob and saying, yeah, that's my name. I, I was a twin. I came out. I was grabbing my brother's heel. I'm a trickster. I've tricked my brother out of things. I've tricked my father out of things. I tricked my mother out of things. I went over to my uncle's land and I tricked him out of things. I'm a trickster. My name is Jacob. I know exactly who I am and I am named in that way. And you're telling me that's not my name no more? I don't think that's right. The man says, no, your name is Israel. Israel. Can you imagine how Jacob must feel? There's a very famous book, a bestseller, in fact, called A Child Called It. It's about a child who was so horribly abused by his parents, and it's a special mental condition that his mother had where she was able to love his brothers, but not him. And he never had a name. She never called him by name. They never referred to him by name. He was only known as it. It impacted him profoundly to be called it. Because our names are intrinsically tied to who we are. Jacob knew this from the beginning. And yet the man calls him Israel, gives him a new name. Isn't that interesting? In our tradition, we don't do that. We find baptism to be sacred, to be a sacrament, one of only two, as you know. We we rely on the biblical and historical traditions to make baptism important to us, but in some traditions, there is a ritual called a christening. And in a christening, you get a name. Sometimes 
if families are really good at this. They do the christening when the child is very, very young, eight days old, and they don't speak the name or even tell people what the name is until it is announced by the priest at the christening. The notion behind that is, first of all, your name is announced for all to hear because it is shaping who you are. But the christening is the Christ-likening. That name that you have links you to Jesus Christ. You are tied in your Christ-likening by your name to the Savior of the world. Makes me wonder what names we carry with us. You hear parents speaking to you as a child saying you're stupid, you're untalented, you're lazy, you're messy. Hear your boss saying you're unproductive, not successful. Hear the messages in your head saying you're a failure, you can't relate. Or do you hear as you strive with God message that you are forgiven, that you are redeemed, that you are God's beloved, that you are God's child, that you are loved, that you are embraced, that you are God's glorious creation? Like Israel, God wishes for us all to claim and reclaim a name for ourselves that shows the glorious promised future that God has for all of us. Dear ones, what's in a name? Child of God, beloved one who is embraced and loved. You're no longer a trickster. You're one who has striven with God and persons and prevailed. Thanks be to God. Amen.